Welcome to Theatre Corner. I'm your host, Michael Taylor. Theatre Corner was created as an ongoing effort to promote more diverse interest and involvement in the theatre scene. Today we're broadcasting from the exquisite Westgate Hotel in the middle of downtown San Diego. And today's guest is the wonderfully talented opera singer Michelle Bradley. Thank you so much for coming to Theatre Corner. Thank you for having me. Thanks. I knew you, you got a busy schedule, and we appreciate you taking time to come see your brother. Thank you. <laughs> Happy to. Absolutely. So you're in town to perform as Aida. Yeah. In the San Diego Opera. So uh, tell us a little bit about this. First of all, I'm very happy to be here, mm -hmm. and I mean that. I mean, the weather, first of all, is amazing. There you go. I feel like I've gotten an extended summer break, <laughs> but then a chance to do Aida again, which is one of my very favorite roles to perform, and it's something very personal and meaningful to me, and I just love that I keep getting the opportunity to share that, how much this music means. So I'm very grateful to be here. Well, San Diego is grateful that you are here. Uh, it's it's really quite wonderful. And so I, I understand you 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 come from uh, Houston, Texas. So yeah. so how does a, a a young lady from Houston, Texas, all, find herself performing all over the world in opera? I don't know myself. Is fate and uh, just a lot of help from people that believed in me. Mm. Um, I must be honest, I'm originally from Versailles, Kentucky, okay. but I spent six years in Houston. I sung in the Houston Grand Opera Chorus, and I just had a lot of big life-changing experience while I lived in Houston. My uh, teacher that's very close to me, Lois Alba, was there, and I studied with her for my time that I was in Houston. So. She's a huge reason why I'm able to sing this role and get out here and do this. She made me believe in myself and showed me the steps, every step to take in order to get here. Wow. You're coming to San Diego. I mean, you, you just perform at the Vienna State Opera. Yes. What, what, did you, what role did you perform there? What piece was that? Another Verdi opera called Il Trovatore. I was Leonora, the lead soprano, yet another damsel in distress in love <laughs> with a guy and another man wants her and she don't want to be bothered with me. Oh, no. <laughs> but um, another wonderful opera. And uh, I had a great time there. That was my first time being in Vienna. Mm -hmm. And it is an amazingly beautiful city but not as sunny as San Diego. <laughs> I don't think it is, <laughs> but, it, but it is gorgeous. Yes. Uh, you've performed a, a, a good bit abroad. Is, do you notice uh, a, a difference uh, performing abroad as opposed to uh, United States? Are you, are you accepted in a different way, or, do you, or is it all the same? You know, I don't see it as a... I know, like, even Leontine, she had to go to Europe first and then come back mm -hmm. to America. She right. did Porgy and Bess in Berlin. She did a lot of things before even making it back to the Met. A lot of African-American singers had to do that. Myself, I didn't see it as a reason because of the color of my skin. I saw it as a reason that there are so many more opera houses in Europe and they're smaller and therefore I can get my bearings on how to handle myself in performances and work with different conductors. I was able to get more experience there than I was here. So that's interesting. You, you mentioned how the, the opera houses are smaller in, yes. in, in size. Mm -hmm. what, is, what adjustments are needed to, to perform in a, in a smaller space as opposed to a large, or are there adjustments for larger 
spaces? Um, I don't think, I personally don't think it's an adjustment. I just think if, as long as you have your technique together and that support mm -hmm. and you're able to carry that voice through, it doesn't matter where you are. I only think in smaller houses, you're less um, intimidated. You know, uh, I've been on I the see. Met stage before, and the Met is the largest opera house in the world. Wow. It's 4,000 seats, or close to 4,000 seats. You look wow. out into that, it's almost like looking into an abyss. Right. And I have a pretty big voice, and uh -huh. I look out there, and I'm like, I don't know if I can feel this <laughs> up. But once you get out there and start singing, uh -huh. it, it, it's built to uh, sustain voices. And uh -huh. a lot of European opera houses are, too. The only difference is just the seating. You know, it's so many opera houses in Europe, I mean, it wouldn't, I don't think it would make sense to build some huge, gigantic thing, okay. you know, when you, in almost every European city, there is an opera house, you know, so I was able to go there and just get the experience. I didn't see it as a racial thing, you know, mm. like, you know, got to go prove myself to the people. Right, I just right. need to go, it's like um, getting a couple stamps on my name to show folks that I know what I'm doing okay. and I know what I'm talking about. That's how I saw it. And I think right. I've done all right. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, certainly, it's a, it's a legitimizing uh, venue. Yeah, it's just know. a gain experience. Right. I've spent the last year and a half in Europe, though. This is actually my U.S. debut mm. coming to San Diego and singing Aida. This is the first opera house that I've worked in or had a principal role in in the United States. So this is a big opportunity for me. But everywhere I go, I just see the same welcome and people so appreciative of operatic music. And it just makes me love my job even more, that there are people that still care about this art form that's considered old or <laughs> for, right. you know, older people. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and they don't listen to that. <laughs> All right, there you go. So tell me about Michelle. All right. Well, um, my real name is Tammy. I'm Tammy Michelle Bradley. Okay. I'm from a little town called Versailles, Kentucky. Mm. Um, my parents were uh, members of our church choir. Shout out to Polk Memorial Baptist Church, Mortonsville, Kentucky. Woop, woop. <laughs> I had to say woop, woop. it. <laughs> I just had to say I'm being funny. Okay. But um, so um, singing just was always a big part of my life. I cannot remember a part of my life where music wasn't there. It was just part of me. My parents, they worked really, really hard to support me and my three brothers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the stress from work, they would come home and relieve that stress by singing church hymns. And, you know, my dad loved The Temptations. My mm -hmm. mama loved The Supreme. So it was either James Cleveland or Motown or mm -hmm. Aretha Franklin or oh, the, the Clark sisters. I mean, just it's either church or, or Motown, that was mm -hmm. the only two things we had. <laughs> and uh, I remember being in diapers and my parents would gather me and my brothers in the living room and we'd be like a little church choir. Mm. And somehow along the way, I was able to teach myself piano and eventually my father bought me a piano and then I ended up teaching him how to play. Wow. You know, and uh, it just, uh, it's just always been a big part of me. My most significant relationships, friendships have all come through music. My teachers, um, my, my colleagues, my best friends are musicians. It's just, it's just been my life. I feel really blessed that um, I'm able to live the way I have. Yeah. Wow. You actually taught singing yourself. Yes, in, uh, when I was living in Houston, Texas, I worked as a school teacher in charter schools around Houston. 
and I would teach preschool all the way up to middle school. I'd give private piano lessons, private voice lessons, and then I would also teach classes and, you know, just do my best to instill a love of music. And some of my students I still keep in touch with through Instagram or wow. Facebook, and they'll be like, Miss Bradley, I'm taking trumpet lessons now, or I'm, <laughs> I'm still singing, or I'm still playing piano. You know, I just wanted them to have the same excitement I did. They don't have to go and make a life out of it like I have, but just to have it though. Even if they want to be a lawyer or engineer, I think just having music in the background is really important. You know, it's so influential to your mood and your mindset and uh, mm. I don't know, I just love it. I don't know. <laughs> so so helping give that gift to to young people, uh, teaching, teaching, mm -hmm. singing, do, do you think that perhaps that's kind of contributed to your own career and, 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 and your own uh, place in, in, in music? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I must say, especially students of color, because um, if I must be honest, I feel like there are times when we are overlooked by certain people, you know, mm. and I would love to be able to instill, especially in young women of color, that there is nothing wrong with you and that you can do exactly what I'm doing, or you can go be Michelle Obama if you want to. <laughs> I just want all my students, no matter what color they are, to know how special they are. I think, um, I think children are wonderful. I have not been blessed enough to have any of my own, but I, what I love about them is their innocence and that their minds are so open and you can, it's like Play-Doh. <laughs> you can just <laughs> shape it into whatever you want. And I want to shape it into good things because what you learn in the first years of your life is the basis of your personality, personality for later on. And so I just want to be sure to instill good things. I had a wonderful childhood and I had a lot of love and it breaks my heart when I see children that don't have that. And I want whatever child that comes into contact with me to remember, you know, Miss Bradley loved me. You know, wow. and I, I think my students remember that about me. They try me some days, yes. <laughs> It'd be some rowdy music classes sometimes, right. but um, I really did care about them. Okay. And I still do. What type of training? What what have, what training have you? Professional training have you had? Okay, my um, big moment in my life with professional training was joining the Lindemann Young Artist Program, and that was with the help of Marilyn Horn and my teacher Lois Alba from Houston, Texas. Um, I started there in January of 2015. I worked with a wonderful coach named Ken Noda and Natalia Kachikova, as well as maestro James Levine. And it really was just a pivotal point in my life. And just, I did three years there and it's no turning back. Let's talk about uh, Aida, this, mm -hmm. this role. And, and how does singing Aida compare to, to other Verdi roles? Well, I must say, Verdi, he requires all of you. Okay. Now, that's the one thing that's similar in all his roles. You are a lyric soprano. You're a coloratura. You mm. sing extremely high notes. You sing extremely low notes. The only thing I could say with Aida is that I get to be, I think that is the, the role where I'm most myself. Uh. And I think what, it, what I see in her, whenever I play her, I see a quiet uh, regalness about her. You know, she's a princess, an Ethiopian princess. She's taken into slavery in Egypt. And yet somehow, still being a slave and having to do 
some very humble things and humiliating things, mm -hmm. she's still able to keep her dignity. And I like to think of myself as a woman that has a, a quiet strength. You know, I'm, um, I'm a Leo, so mm -hmm. we have a tendency to be pretty strong, but <laughs> I usually kind of keep it under wraps. And I think Aida does that too. She doesn't let Omneris know, even though in the second act, she almost says it, you know, I'm just like you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm royal too, but she couldn't really tell her that or it would mean that she would get killed. And I, I see a lot of those things in myself. I can, I can play possum for a little while. You know, <laughs> until the time is right. Okay. Uh, what other uh, Verdi roles have you have you played or, or or hope to sing? Yeah. Well, Il Trovatore was one that I did. Um, La Forza del Destino, and mm -hmm. yet another Leonora was one that I did at um, Oprah Frankfurt um, mm -hmm. back in January and February. I would love to do Simone Bocanegra, um, uh. Don Carlo. Um, uh, just any Verdi role, honestly, anything that I can get my hands on. I, you know, I must say I'm I'm tired after finishing an opera by him because he really takes all of your strength, you know. But I I wouldn't have it any other way though because I know that I've given everything for the the audience and myself, and I have very high standards when it comes to my own singing. Mm -hmm. So he really challenges that, and I, I love that about him. And he's good to me, too. <laughs> paying my bills and I, I, That's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. But does the, does the Verdi uh, repertoire, did it come naturally to you, or, or did you have to kind of grow into it? I think in ways that it came naturally, and I learned this with Lois Alba, she was the one that started, started me in Verdi, giving me Aida, mm -hmm. Trovatore. Those were the first two operas that I learned with her. Um, I think naturally I have the stamina, I have the vocal strength for him, mm -hmm. I have the range. Um, things that I've had to learn was the Italian language and learning how to pace myself in the opera. Um, the second act of La Forza del Destino, the fourth act of Il Trovatore, the third act of Aida, those are some of the most difficult singing you could mm -hmm. ever do. You are all types of voices within one act and wow. you have to have a lot of stamina and I've had to learn how to pace myself. I tend to want to give it all right away. And, you know, you can't do that all the time. You know, I got two, two more hours worth of singing to do. You wow. Know? Opera's at least three hours, so. Incredible. Yeah. So then what type of uh, exercises do you do during, during the week of your performance? Well, I'm pretty strict with myself. It takes a lot of focus. I don't hang out. Um, I usually like to keep to myself, especially the closer the performance gets. I don't want to risk getting sick. I don't want to mm. risk using my voice too much or getting hoarse or anything like that. Drinking obscene amounts of water, mm. no, no alcohol, none, you know, no little wine with dinner, nothing like that. Um, and I love a, a vocal book by Matilda Marchese. Um, it just has all of these vocal exercises from how to do trills, triplets, going up and down the scale from the lowest note of your voice to the highest note. I really love working on her. And if I can do that at least 30 minutes a day to an hour, and then I'll go be quiet and I'll work through my music mentally, I feel pretty prepared. One of the greatest 
Aida's uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in opera history uh, was Leontine Price. Yes. Uh, what do you admire about uh, about her technique? Oh my gosh, y'all got more time. Um, <laughs> first of all, it's just the beauty of it, the mm. beauty of her voice. I remember when I first heard her, I was 17. I just started college at Kentucky State University in Frankfort, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. My first teacher was Andrew W. Smith. He's the one that told me that taught me about opera. I didn't know what opera was. Okay. And he gave me her prima donna album and he never got that album back from me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Smith. I just I cannot give that album back. She had all of her great um, arias from Damor Sulla Lirose from Il Trovatore and um, Depuis le Jour and I just, um, I just fell in love with the sound. And for me, she symbolized where my voice belonged. You know, I grew up in church, and I'm not really a gospel singer. Mm -hmm. I, I just, it's not really how I present myself when I sing. I'm not a pop singer. I can't dance, so <laughs> it wasn't going to work. And when I heard Leontine, I was like, yeah, this is where I can make my voice do this. I can study this. And I just fell in love with opera because of her. I fell in love with her confidence. I'm reading her biography uh, right now by Hugh Lee Lyons. Mm -hmm. And just how confident she is. You wow. know, she just gets out there and sings it. She even said herself that she loves the sound of her own voice. Mm -hmm. And I think to be in this career, you have to love the sound of your own voice. She's not arrogant. It's a difference between arrogance and confidence. Being confident, you love yourself, but you also lifting other people up while you love right, yourself. Right. Being arrogant means you got to step on everybody to feel good about yourself. She don't do that. Um, mm. I love that she is uh, that she loves herself that much, and that she she gives that love through her singing. That's how I want to be. You know, I want to lift people up when I sing, mm. and I'm also lifting myself up. Yeah, but. I want to make people feel something, feel good, and take a break from, you know, how awful this world can be sometimes. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And, and in terms of lifting the audience up, I mean, uh, theater performance, it, it, it is a collaborative effort. Yes. Um, I mean, you imagine performing <laughs> with no audience. I mean, what, what, what does that do? Uh, that, give and take with the audience uh, for you? Well, um, I think singing is a service. You know, it's so, um, is the correct word, physiological, just because mm -hmm. I will never know what my voice actually sounds like. If I were to sing to you right now, mm -hmm. you're going to hear something, right. but I won't really hear it because it's coming from me. Uh -huh. You know, I have to trust the fact with my vocal technique and my mechanism that I'm doing the right things to get my voice out of me mm. at the highest level, but I will never know what I sound like. So when I go out to an audience, my mindset is just to give my very best. I don't care what the critics say right, right. or what anybody else thinks, I'm laying it all out there for you. It's my vocal cords, everything. They lay it out there on the stage, mm -hmm. and you can take it or leave it. What does Leontine uh, do as Aida that, uh, that you most admire? What does she do with that role? Mm. It's just uh, she was so statuous in it and uh, so sure. Mm. No note was ever, um, ever too difficult. You know, they say the high C that you go up to in O Patria Mia, that that's one of the most difficult notes to sing. 
But every time I hear her do that, it just makes me think, like, I just need to sit on down somewhere because she does it with <laughs> such ease. Uh, and it's just so glorious. Everything about that role that she does, it's, it's just she's untouchable in it. She really is. Wow. She's untouchable. It's like Whitney Houston and all of her songs. You, you can hear other people do it, but it's really never going to be the same. After San Diego, well, what do you have coming up? I have a lot of recitals. I will be doing um, recitals at the Kennedy Center on December 11th. I'll do a recital at um, the uh, Rockefeller University on November 20th. I have a recital in Santa Barbara at the Music Academy with Marilyn Horn right after San Diego. So um, between Aida rehearsals, I'm going home and studying my recital music. So it's an ongoing thing. Wow, wow. Yeah. I'm also doing... Um, uh, the piece by Barber with the Miami New World Symphony, um, Knoxville, summer 1915. So I'm learning that too. Yeah, <laughs> it's ongoing. <laughs> so uh, I understand the San Diego Opera is going to do a, a special performance, and there's going to be like something like 3,000 school children there. What does that mean to you? Because there, there are going to be young girls of color in this audience. And, 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 and you're basically going to represent possibilities to them. Yeah. You know, what, what, what would you say to a young girl of color that, that may have an interest in, in embarking on the same type of career? I would tell them, please do it. We need more of just people of color in this field that to let everyone know it's not something that's closed off. Music is for everybody. Mm. Opera, R&B, country, whatever it is. I like country music, by the way. I mean, <laughs> music, it should not have a color. I mean, nothing should, but especially music, though. It's too unifying. I see it as a privilege that young girls would look at me that way. And um, if anything, I would just want them to know to, first and foremost, to love themselves and that whatever they want to do in life, it is very much more than possible, more than possible. So give me the dates that you're performing here in San Diego. So our performance dates are October 19th. We open on a Saturday evening. Then we also will sing um, October 22nd, October 25th, which is my dad's birthday, <laughs> and October 27th. It's been an incredible honor and a privilege to sit from across from you and, uh, you. and, and have this chat. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the performance as uh, Aida. Uh, it's going to be beautiful. And thank, uh, and, and thank you so much thank for taking much, out time to, to, to come see your brother again. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, viewers, for tuning in to another episode of Theater Corner. And we'll see you next time.